Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. Joining me today, I am so pleased to welcome two friends and the host of the Film Stage's excellent podcast, The B-Side, which covers movie stars in a fascinating way by focusing not on the films that made or kept them famous, but the ones that actors made in between. A producer and a filmmaker living in Pittsburgh, Dan Mecca started The Film Stage with Jordan Raup in college at Buffalo, and Connor O'Donnell is a post-production supervisor based in New York City and also serves as a critic for The Film Stage. Connor, Dan, I want to thank you so much for being here. I always have the best time talking to you guys. You're a riot. I love playing uh, game night with you. And so this is a real treat. So I want to thank you so much. How are you doing? Good. We're good. good. Connor, how are you doing? You start. Oh, you know, I, you know, fittingly uh, to the topic, I had a rough and busy day at work today. (laughs) So... Uh, so I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Yeah, on topic. Yeah, I had a, also busy, not quite as busy. Me and Connor, we work at the same company, but I know I feel his pain to a lesser degree. Um, we both, the, just for context, we it's, we're recording on so election day. Uh, let me actually say, because this, this is because we were talking before we hit record. Um, we're going to talk about parenthood. In, in in the movie and actual parenthood, I'm sure will come up. And I today, as we're recording, is election day, so my kids were home because at daycare, it's an in-service day. Totally get it, you know, get out the mm-hmm. vote. That being said, I do work and I do have two kids, and my <laughs> wife is a teacher, so obviously she does go in. So I, today was one of those days where I was like, I guess we're just gonna go to library forever. And then we'll go to the playground and I'll have to just figure out how to work from there. And, you know, like very apropos to the, uh, to the subject matter, to Connor's point. Yeah. I can't really compare with that because I don't have kids, but I was on with tech support for two hours this morning. Oh my God, that's worse. And that's That's a work kind of thing. So we've all kind of had. That's like all of Apollo 13 kind of. I know. know, That's like the three guys. Failure was not an option, you guys. Yeah. Yes. I love this idea that you came up with, Connor. Uh, Ron the job, the procedure porn of Ron Howard. I definitely can't call it procedure porn on the internet because I already attract enough weirdos and reply guys. So we're going to call it that for like (laughs) this conversation. Right, for the combo. Yeah, yeah. You don't want the (laughs) SEO though. You know, you don't want that show. Yeah, that PORN. We already get enough bots, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) Teresa, wait for you and all of those things that are popping up now it's so creepy you guys amber and tiffany and a lot of them have 80s names it's i think one of them's in this zoom with us right now probably it reminds Uh, me of probably um, what's her in oh god meg ryan in uh You've got mail. She has the whole thing about the name. She's like, yes, it's like people never think no. you have a last name. Hi, I'm <laughs> Tiffany. Hi, I'm Amber. Amber it's like yeah. it's a whole generation of cocktail waitresses or whatever. It's <laughs> Classic Nora Ephron. All right. Exactly. I love Nora Ephron. Oh, the best. We share the a best. birthday. So, oh, really? You know, that's, that's a good birthday. That's a cool. One. Yeah. That's a, cool a very one. cool birthday. Yes. Well, you know, you guys host the B-Side podcast, which is one I love, and I enjoyed guesting on that. I need to come back. I haven't oh, quite yeah. figured out what 
We'll, so, we'll figure we'll come it out. up with something. Maybe yeah, we'll, we'll do a Ron it. Howard episode or something. We don't know. We'll, yeah. We'll keep it going. Lots of ideas here. But uh, what is going on at the B side? What's been recently? Any sneak preview you want to give us? Sure. Um, so just recently, actually, a really cool one. We did an interview with Randall Poster, who's like a pretty oh, cool. kind of legendary music supervisor, I guess, as yeah. as legendary as a music supervisor can be. Right. If you, um, if you were to know one, you would know him. You would you know. know him. And yes. uh, so we he just worked on Priscilla. So we were talking to him about that film, but also just the nature of his job and uh, and a couple hidden gems from his career, as is the uh, as is our nature on the podcast where we sort of talk about lesser seen movies. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we actually, as of this recording, just a couple days ago, recorded our first uh, audience choice episode of the year. Um, We do these annual polls where listeners can kind of select who they want to see or hear an episode about. And so uh, coming up, we'll have one on Daniel Day-Lewis. So that's Mm. pretty cool. Um, Not only. And then we also have another episode with our good friend Brian Raftery uh, about Vietnam War movies. So B sides, yes, yeah, B sides. Oh, cool. So like so the bro. Hamburger Hills. And exactly. Oh, yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. right. We he yeah. did a cool, um, he did a cool um, podcast miniseries for The Ringer that came out in the summer. I think it's called. And Connor, you can correct uh, me. Do we get to win? Do this we get time? to win this time? Which oh, is a line Rambo, from Ram- yeah. Rambo Two. Yeah, <clears throat> and. Uh, Really good, really, really good mini podcast series. I feel like it's eight episodes. He talks to everybody, and it's basically about the evolution of the Vietnam War movie um, from like the late sixties to the end of the millennium to the to mm-hmm. ninety nine, basically. And um, it's so well researched, as wow. you know, as you'd expect from Brian, um, who wrote. If you don't know, he wrote best movie year ever about the yes. nineteen ninety nine movie year. Anyway, so we had him on. Yeah, we talk about exactly. We talk about stuff like Hamburger Hill. Something I like that we do is we talk about a couple of Vietnam uh made war movies about the Vietnam War that oh, are definitely wow. B-sides like not many Americans I think would sure. know about them and they were good movies. And yeah, I think that was definitely cool. cool to talk with Brian about. He didn't really obviously get to cover that part of it cuz it was from an American angle, of course. You know mm-hmm. what he was talking about, you know, the apocalypse now of it all, deer hunter, whatever, uh, the green berets. And so, um, awesome guests. So, yeah, if you're listening to this now, it's probably it's probably out to be out yeah. or you're out yeah. right now. So, yeah. definitely give it a listen. Um, yeah, but but you know, play, always, 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 just like Daniel Day Lewis, there's so much that reveals itself. Like, he only made 20 movies, he only made 20 movies. And yet, if you look at it, there are like there's some B sides. Like there, yeah. there's, there's like ripe with my ba- or ripe ballad with of Jack and Rose. I love yeah, it. that's one of them. And uh, even like we cover a few, and there's a few. Laundrette. Right then, we talk about my beautiful laundrette came up. Is that a B side? It's a great movie. Pro- maybe it is. Yeah. And then yeah. like the Crucible, you could make the yes. argument because it came and went. Right. So we talk a little bit about that and. Shockingly, we could probably have a DDLB side part two, which I would have never thought for that would, few, few for, hey, for that few films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So many which are celebrated. But anyway. we also did just do recently for Halloween. We did, uh, and I'm just using this as a not so subtle segue, but we did an episode on Roger Corman, uh, who oh, yeah, Grand was Theft Auto. The, yeah, who who produced Grand Theft Auto, which is the first movie from our uh, from our boy Ron Howard. So yeah, yes. exactly right. 
Yeah. And Ron Howard is our subject and uh, his interest in covering work and people, um, you know, just doing their job, trying to balance the work life uh, of it all. And Connor, this was your brainchild. You came up with a few ideas, but this is the one we kind of all zeroed in on right away. So what is it about Ron Howard as a filmmaker? Do you guys remember the first movie that you remember seeing uh, that he directed or one that kind of stood out as this is a Ron Howard movie? I think the first time I was ever aware of him as filmmaker was probably... Um, was probably Apollo 13. Okay. But uh, there were other movies of his that I had seen before that. Yeah, and yeah I, like I, Splash. I kinda, yeah, yeah and I, my mom loved Far and Away. Sure, oh, sure. Yes. But the, I yeah. feel like those were all, and I had seen right. those. Which like, is funny, because Far and Away is, is way different from what we're going to talk about with yeah. Ron Howard. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. like a huge, big swing, his David mm-hmm. Lean movie type yeah. of thing. And, yes. and but, the... Yeah. Parenthood was a huge recurring like rental in my house. I come from a family of 10 kids and stuff. So oh, wow. just a lot of the jokes hit in a certain way and whatever. So, um, but we, so that was one of those ones that I had definitely seen. I, that's probably like the earliest movie of his that I had seen, but that was one of those ones where it wasn't until around like Apollo 13. And I became aware of him as like a director that I was then like, Oh, and he made like Parenthood and Willow mm-hmm. and Splash. Like I, you know, and I don't know. I think he's the kind of guy who I think he's got kind of a mixed to, I would say almost depending on who you ask, kind of like bad reputation. Like, cause he tends to make films that can be kind of saccharine or just yeah. really, like really earnest. And, um, and I think that's all true. And I can see people's point when they mm-hmm. kind of, chastise him for that um it doesn't tend to bother me it does in some of his movies where it doesn't i don't think land quite as well but one of the things i've noticed and uh dan or i are not the people who have coined this term but this like procedural porn or like competency porn that like subgenre. the minute i heard that phrase i was like that's perfect because it's just like there is such a thrill about watching certain people in a condensed space or period of time who are just good at their jobs or maybe good at, yeah, maybe good at their jobs to varying degrees or, you know, maybe they get better at their jobs or whatever it is, but there, there is something, I don't know. I think there's such a thrill narratively about distilling that down to its roots. I think it's one of those things not, you know, shout out to Blake Howard, but like Michael Mann, I think is one of those filmmakers, like most of his yeah. movies excel because all of almost all of his main characters are just like, no matter, even if they're bad people, good people, whatever, they're like all really good or passionate about the thing that they do. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that stuff can be, it just lends itself to really compelling narratives. And I think Ron Howard's kind of funny just because he's such an eclectic filmmaker. He's not really an auteur. He's like more of a journeyman type filmmaker. Um, he's done it all, right? Mm-hmm. I think I would, I'd have to look. I think like the only thing he hasn't really done genre-wise would be like, oh, straight up horror movie maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's done it all. And I noticed just the thread, you know, the thread through all those things is like that th- this thing thematically is not only a thing that keeps recurring, but I would argue if you're going to rank all of his movies, 
all the ones that would be in the top half of that ranking would be the ones that deal with this kind of like people being good at their jobs theme. So that's I kind agree of with you. Yeah. And it, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like the previous generation would have been Pakula and Pollock. Yes. Who maybe definitely. weren't the showiest filmmakers, but they kind of specialized more. Well, Pakula, especially in paranoia, but also just people doing what they did, excelling at it. Uh, All the President's Men, speaking of Blake Howard, totally. of course, yeah. he loves procedural porn. David Fincher, you know, with Zodiac. And we're going to talk about a newspaper movie later. It is kind of a thrill to watch people who are hardworking. If you're kind of a perfectionist and a workaholic, there's something sort of cathartic about that. And so I love that. I, I agree with what you were saying. I was actually remembering seeing Parenthood when I was like, it would have been eight years old in the theater. I remember that. And I remember Willow. But I think Splash was probably sure, the Willow. first one that I saw. I think the first one I was aware that it was Ron Howard was probably Backdraft because I came from yeah. kind of a liberal family and we just watched things. But how about you, Dan? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly the far and away was it was big in the house <laughs> so that was early on did i know it was ron howard probably not apollo 13 probably i did know that was such a big oscar movie you know for people who don't remember that was almost you know you know tom hanks had won two best yeah. actor oscars in a row he didn't get nominated for apollo 13 but i think there was a bit of a narrative coming into that of like is he gonna like get nominated yeah. again <laughs> you know and i you know he didn't um but um but you know, a really celebrated movie, and I think um just kind of nutty because I I would wager that Apollo 13 is better than the two performances that he won for. Well, I mean, Philadelphia, Ooh, you know, we've know. we talked about Philadelphia. It's like it's aged like uh, any movie like that has to age, you know, as times change. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's hard to I have I have trouble with critiques like that of Philadelphia because it was so important for so yes. many people at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm always like, okay, well, you're right. being a little unfair because yeah. it was like what they were doing in '93 was crazy. Like right. in changed a studio, the conversation, at a studio yeah. level. Mm -hmm. But I understand. I understand the yeah, criticism. Yeah. But anyway, but um, but and I always defend Forrest Gump, but that's a larger thing. Anyway, I actually but, um, do too. To yeah, some yeah, yeah. I have had a long. I've had a long, um, tumultuous love and hate mm -hmm. yes. uh, of 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 that film, and and I've settled on love decidedly. So, <laughs> but um, but no, and then I think with Ron Howard, it's so interesting. I think the thing I always come back to him to 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 with him is um, he's a producer, you know, like the, and Sidney Pollock is a great comp, uh, Jen, in that respect. He's he gets the job done. Right. And I, I love, and I've talked about this in our podcast all the time. I love guys like that. And, you know, gals like that, you know, you know, like, a, you know, you know, Gail Ann Hurd, for example, she didn't really direct yeah. a whole lot, but it's like people like that who are like, you know, um, you know, what's her name? Is it uh oh my God, Kennedy. Is it Kathleen Kennedy? Yeah, who, what's yeah. Kathleen Kennedy, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, someone like her. Right. And they work together obviously on solo, right. Kind of quote unquote saving solo, however you want to kind of take that narrative. But like, I love people who are just like how are we going to make this happen and yeah. i think that's boring to a lot of people and i get it so i'm not really i'm not discounting that when you're talking about like certainly ron howard can make down the middle studio pictures that are not exciting 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, but I think to well, the reason for the season is like when he's really firing on all cylinders, it's it's process. It's like he's good at his job and he likes making movies about people who are good at their jobs, right? And it's like, yeah, it's hard to deny that, right? And it's like his movies about exceptional people, some of which are very celebrated or were celebrated at the time. A Beautiful Mind, of course, being you know you know uh, uh, you know something that comes to mind even like his grinch movie is that right it was not well reviewed mm-hmm. but it was a huge hit those are his yeah. lesser films i think mm-hmm. right i mean they're not as good as like apollo 13 where it's just like hey we got to solve this problem like the best scene he's maybe ever done is when the guy is when in apollo which isn't one of our movies but in apollo 13 when they take all the materials and they, they yes. throws it on the no, table. It's the greatest. It's the I greatest. I love equation. that so much. Yeah. yeah and he goes, and this is what they have. Up. Application. Yeah. This yes. is what they have up on the shuttle. We have to figure out how to make this go into this using only that. And he and points just, yeah. Rip up and just, your manual and all of that. Rip up the manual. It's perfect. It's perfect would, filmmaking. I'll see you the square peg round hole scene and I'll raise Crazy. you the Lorne Dean, Gary Sinise scene where they're trying to get like the extra amps to power up the lem. Yeah. yeah and right, like right. the scene where they the scene yeah. where they figure it out mm-hmm. is like so riveting. Yeah. That well, even just, stuff like Sinise where they like take a break and he's like they're not getting a break, right? Yes. He's, yeah. It's just very good. I mean that that movie I I think Ron ha- and we'll get to it, but I think Ron Howard has made better movies than that movie. But I, I think I think that, I that. movie I do too. It's yeah. like it look, what I'm saying is it's like it might be number two for me, I guess. <laughs> but but I do think that movie is the sort of paragon of the genre that we're talking about here, right? Yeah. Like it is so because I think a, a, a key component of the genre is you have to make it accessible and relatable, like no matter what the occupation is. And I think mm-hmm. Apollo 13 does such a good job of that. Even if it's like on the nose with them drawing like the slingshot diagrams around the moon and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's just so executed. It's executed so efficiently on every level that like at no point do you lose the plot, right? Like you're kind mm-hmm. of like, okay. And yeah. And and that I think is like a crucial key component of this of this subgenre is that like you said before like is the process right is like getting a sense yeah. of like how all these people are are specifically good at this thing and why they're the right people for it. Yes, absolutely. What is your favorite Ron Howard? Do you guys have one that you? Could I mean, I it's Ball Thirteen has always been up there. The paper so. though is like, I love so deeply. And that just comes from, I worked at a paper in college. I came up writing for newspapers, like as a teenager, like I would lie to newspapers about my age and like get published. <laughs> and like, you know, I had my first review in the thing. I mentioned this on my podcast. Like I wrote um, like my first published review in the Poughkeepsie Journal, which is where oh. I'm from, Poughkeepsie, New York, was, um, We're I want to say, <laughs> yeah, it was it's New York's oldest newspaper is what oh, they wow. say. It's what they say. New York State's oldest newspaper. Um, the Poughkeepsie Journal, as featured in Mad Men in more than one episode, which I always love because they live. Sure. He lives in Austin. So anyway, um, is, um, what was it? Oh, I think it was Brokeback Mountain. I think it was Brokeback Mountain. I like saw it in Rhinebeck in the, at the Art House Theater. And it was like mm-hmm. there was a youth section back when there was like 
uh, like actual other sections of newspapers, you know, which, you know, yeah. Back and, when they uh, were newspapers. <laughs> newspapers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so sad. But I was so proud of that. I oh, got, I remember that. That was, it would have been 05. Yeah. But so anyway, I would always write for papers, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then I was a manage, managing editor of the Spectrum uh, newspaper at University of Buffalo. Me and Connor met and went to school. And um, so they've always been super important to me. My dad wrote for a newspaper for a little, for a period of time. And, and, you know, I have a little bit of, of that in me. So, the paper I just love because of that, you know, because of like just that world, which I only mm -hmm. got a little taste of, but I love so much. And even though like there's silly elements to it and you could certainly like pick it apart and mm -hmm. it's one of the movies we'll talk about. Um, I love that like Kep, David Kep wrote it with his brother, you know, because yeah. like his brother is a newspaper man. I think Stephen Kep. And it's just, I love that movie. So if I had to gun to my head, on any given day, it would be one of those two movies. And then right below it, really close, uh, always, is Parenthood. I love Parenthood. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Jen? What's your favorite? I think probably Apollo 13, but I love so many of his films. Actually. Do you love so, Backdraft? You mentioned Backdraft. I, I enjoy that A lot of people a love lot. Backdraft. I, yeah. I get a kick out of that. Uh, we did yeah. a Kurt Russell episode sure. uh, with Chris yeah. Cantwell and Elizabeth Cantwell. And even though we weren't even talking about Backdraft, you have to do the, you know, he's my brother, God damn it. You know, you <laughs> yeah. gotta do it. And I was thinking of, about yeah. that. Another through line in all these movies is really good dialogue that you want to yeah. quote. And so he works with a lot of top screenwriters. Um, I actually remember hosting uh, a screening of, um, I was asked to do it, but it, it's an excellent film, Cinderella Man. I think that sure, doesn't movie. get enough love. Yeah, um, underrated, yeah. So yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot there with his career. Yeah. How about you, Connor? Uh, I do also have a fondness for Cinderella Man. It's not my top oh, favorite, no. but I, no. but I do go to, I do go to bat hard for that movie. Cause I think it's just so effective. Mm -hmm. Um, my, I, I, let me just say quickly, Cinderella, my grandfather, RIP loved, he talked about, I remember when that movie came out, he talked about, uh, JJ Braddock, like they, they had a in Port Chester where they lived during the depression. He was a kid, obviously they had a radio and it was kind of like controversial, Right. Cause it was like, not everyone had on a radio, yeah. you know, and they were like, listen to it low. And his dad loved, loved boxing. Mm. And they listened to those Braddock fights and like loved him. And it was yeah. like, that was a thing my grandfather remembered. And he would have been like, you know, what, approaching 80 in 04, probably. Yeah. And wow. I remember him telling me, he was like, oh, yeah, JJ Braddock, like we would, my dad like rooted for him. And we were an Italian family. So, Braddock was Irish, right? But it was I didn't matter, so, yeah. right? It was no. like they freaking love that guy. And I just remember being like, damn, that's wild. Like do just you, you know, to have Yeah. Good, do you yeah. remember AMC made that deal? Um, I think it was probably on behalf of Universal Pictures, I think. Um, where if you went to the film, this was in the run up to the Oscars and you didn't like it, you could get your money back. It was some kind I don't of a, remember, really. There no, was yes, yeah. There was an actual. I don't I know if it, it was just Phoenix or if they were testing it in certain cities, but right. um, but I did remember talking to somebody who worked box office at AMC, and they were like, "People aren't coming up for their money because they love the movie." I yes. think if you saw it's, it, you would yeah. like it. I mean, that was one of those movies. And sorry, I interrupted Connor, but that was one of those movies. Um, the title got all the criticism, right? Yeah. People were like. 
Well, they called it. Oh, right. Cinderella and it's man. like, how yeah, many yeah. people, how many, yeah, because how many oh, people? Was, like, like, is that really people? Like, men didn't go see it, but I guess maybe yeah. that's true. I just was I, like, I think that's I an know. easy out for like, right, an easy out, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I think that's that might be like a little true because, like, how many people are going to go? I just want to know. I always with stuff like that, I want to someone show me a the, spreadsheet, the yeah. yeah, where it's right. like. We lost four million dollars yeah. because it was right. called Cinderella yeah. Man, which, like, yeah. I'll believe you, right? If you like, that I movie made, like, yeah, that movie made sixty-one million, right, or something, right, off the top mm-hmm. of my head, domestic. So it was underperformer, right, for the budget. If you're gonna, if you tell me it would have made seventy, if it was called like, you know, like Braddock, yeah, right, Braddock, Braddock you know, you know, the <laughs> Irish brawler, right, yeah, or yeah. something, you know. <laughs> Okay, like I will buy that, but like my point, seventy would have still been a disappointment. You know what I mean? To Connor's point, yeah. like, what yeah, are we yeah. talking about at that point? It doesn't. Anyway. It doesn't. It doesn't move the needle. Uh, what are uh, you? What are you? Con- other so are are you like uh, you're Apollo, right? Apollo's got. I know. Right. I love Apollo thirteen, and I'm saying this is some recent at TV. Rewatching thirteen <laughs> lives. Rewatching thirteen. Oh lives. God, thirteen it's lives. An amazing might be. film, right? I, I was gonna say, I, yeah. Thank I you for bringing that up. So, it might actually be my favorite after I, rewatching. Yeah, I was like, this me movie. and Connor were texting, it's like, in the top. This yeah. might be and again, I, I fully will slot this into like the same way I, I put the last duel very high for Ridley Scott. I think it's partly spurned by like it came nobody, out. Nobody cared. Nobody about saw it. it. Nobody yeah. cared about it. And not only is it like good, but it's like very very good like that's like yeah. how i feel about 13 lives so it if just right now if you were to ask me it's like probably neck and neck with apollo 13 i think it's just and we'll, we'll get into it but i just think it's like a, it's a great call it's it, yeah. it, the the comp i can think of in terms of apollo 13 to 13 lives is like from jurassic park to war of the worlds almost like it's like you know, with Spielberg, those are both blockbusters, but they're made forever apart. And he's like a different director by the time he makes the next one. Mm-hmm. And just this thing of like, it's a lot more mature. It's got a lo- it's got a little more on its mind, tonally and thematically. Whereas like Paul 13 is like perfect popcorn, right? It's like we were mm-hmm. talking about. It's like a perfect movie and it's made to be like perfectly entertaining. And I think 13 Lives like, at least insofar as Ron Howard takes chances, I think takes a few chances like tonally and narratively Mm -hmm. um, that are, it's so fascinating to me. And I think it's, it's just people should just watch it. But um, then there's like rush too. Speaking of right. There's a whole, there's a whole slew. Yeah. Yeah, I I rewatched rush uh, today and I was reminded, you know what it is too with rush. Um, the Anthony Dodd Mantle cinematography is really. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, for those who don't remember, he won, he won the first digital Oscar. I want to say for some dog, it was kind of a changing of the guard. Uh, he won, he won the Oscar for, for Slumdog. And Ron Howard saw that movie and was like, I want to work with this guy because yeah. he loved the way it looked and, you know, whatever. And I will say where I th- think it kind of, he jumps the shark, no pun intended. Cause actually he was on the show where somebody actually jumped the shark. Happy days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's where it comes from. Um, uh, Look at you tying it all together. Which is funny to think about. I didn't, <laughs> as I said that I was like, but I more was going to say this cause I was about to mention in the heart of the sea, which sure. also has whales and, and sharks. If I remember, but, um, 
the, I would argue the Dodd Mantle cinematography jumps the shark a little bit in in the heart of the sea, yeah, where you almost it's like a little bit it's too a little stylish. Too modern, yep. For his own good, you're like, all right, and let's I relax a little bit. I, I don't but know Rush, the, it's like perfect. I feel like mm-hmm. I don't know off the top of my head who shot Cinderella Man, but like when you watch in the heart of the sea, it does feel For a sure. little bit like why doesn't this movie look like that movie? Like it feels mm-hmm. a little, it feels a little strange, and it, I I think you know Ron would probably take the out of saying like in the heart of the sea is a you know like a frame story like it's a story within a story so the story within the story is like a little weirder looking and like yeah more heightened or whatever salvatore Titino shot cinderella man okay well, good i job, couldn't so. believe john seal shot uh the paper i was like holy shit i know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well that's the thing about cinematographers sometimes you know they no, just but it's just amazing because you yeah think, yeah of, there's you know, a movie right yeah. Yeah, there's a movie that um while well, speaking of thin red line, I was I was just about to say, um yeah, you'll get that, right? You'll get those guys who are like the best. And yeah. it's not it's not like they're slumming it, right? It's like they're oh, just no, doing their job. Yeah. No. But it looks so different. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, when yeah. we used to like make movies that were mid-range and had right. these amazing craftsmen working on them. Yeah. It's like Kate Caleb Deschanel shooting Jack Reacher. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, John Seal for those, right? So so John Seal though shot Mad Max Fury Road, right? For yeah. for just context. Oh, like gosh. He shot Cold Mountain. He shot like big movies. But no, but I mean he shot a lot of George Miller's movies. So to your point, like, but he also shot Stakeout. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and that's fine. You know, Stakeout looks fine, you know, but it's like just you're like you know, and the movie he made after Stakeout was Gorillas in the Mist, one of the most beautiful movies you'll ever see, right? It's like, yeah. you know, just funny. It's funny how that can work. Um, but that's, yeah. you know, and that's once again, I think, um, you, you know, bringing it back to Ron Howard, <clears throat> you know, when you have directors who are like workmen directors, which is like there's so much weight and criticism with that term, which I, I always I, I don't like that directors get the criticism for that of like, Oh, he Ron Howard, he's made everything. And it's like, it kind of like said with like a tisk or whatever. And it should be like, wow. And I'm like, no, like, that's, yeah. that's incredible. Like, yeah. like not unlike Sidney Paul, like he can do anything. Yeah. Like that's incredible. That that's, that's a thing, you know? And I do, I wish, I often wish that was celebrated more than it's like, he has no, he has no discernible style. It's like, yeah. all right, well, not everybody needs, yeah. To have a look, you know, like Fincher's great. We all, I love, we all love Fincher. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, they don't all <laughs> need to be David camera. Fincher. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, one thing I love about Ron Howard, of course, starting out as a child actor, and I think maybe that is right. part of his attraction to movies about people just doing their work because he would go to set, he would see his dad was a working actor. Yes. Yeah. All of these people, you know, playing various parts behind the scenes, and everybody had a job and was good yeah. at their job and worked and everybody another thing in these movies and that brings us to our first one is the work-life balance yeah. which is a big part of his appeal uh, of what is drawing him to these uh, stories about these oftentimes men who are working um and trying to be good fathers husbands friends um and that brings us to parenthood which mm. we all kind of remember seeing back then so the i'm best. gonna let uh i think dan this was one you chose so i'm gonna let you sure take- 
Yeah. So Parenthood, um, I want to, I'm going to double check myself as I talk. 1989. One is yeah. still one of his biggest hits. Incredibly big hit at the time. Steve Martin is the ostensible lead, though. It's kind of an ensemble. He's Gil. Um, it's a, it's an ensemble of, of the Buckman family. He's married to, uh, Karen, who's married Steenbergen. And, um, am I right about that? Yeah. Right. Am I crazy? Yeah. And then, Ooh. yeah, because then you have Diane Weist, right? I, mm-hmm. I saw Weist. You see Weist, you get confused. No, you know? Weist is his sister. No, I know, yeah. And yeah. so you have Weist is Helen, the sister. Jason Robarts is the patriarch. Rick Moranis, oh, so good in this movie, um, is has married into the family. Tom Hulse is kind of the black sheep. Who um, dad loves, yeah. Yeah, who yeah, dad it's loves. It's like golden boy. And this yeah. is, I love the Tom Hulse period the late 80s yes yeah. it's so weird dominic and eugene yes. uh yeah. amadeus you get you get a lot it's of hulse well, for your money in the yeah. late 80s um you got lee phoenix aka joaquin um who's terrific oh my you, gosh and keanu you get a great yeah. a great yeah um, a great keanu. early keanu and to your point jen about good dialogue has one of the best uh with weist one of the best scenes in the whole movie um which i think is one of the most remembered scenes because he has a deadbeat dad keanu reeves is dating martha plimpton and uh weist uh who's her mother right is Mm -hmm. like not happy about it and um he's talking to diane weist keanu is and he's like you know you need a license to drive a car yes. and do this but you, you know any asshole can become a father right mm-hmm. and i that's a great it's a great and i butchered well, that but that's a great and weirdly that line i feel like almost does encapsulate why this movie fits into like competency porn right yeah well that was my argument because we yeah. were talking about yeah. this before and like does this fit and i think it totally does yeah. because you know jen kind of what you were saying kind of in your intro it's kind of an ur text of all yeah. of what we're talking about, right? It's like yeah. there are two jobs if yes. you're any kind of not man, but any kind of person, right? Any kind sure. of human. family and work. Yeah. Right. And you don't even I'm not you don't even have to have kids, obviously, in this right. case. They're kids. But just like a friend, a husband, a partner, a companion. Like yeah. what what is that job at home that you're not doing? Yeah. If in you're service too to others. Yeah. To your work or whatever. So you have this, you have this flowing narrative there's a lot of different a b c d plots we don't need to go into all of them but ostensibly it's just everybody trying to make it work and then you have stuff like tom hulse has debts owed to dangerous people he's got yeah, you know a quote-unquote illegitimate uh child who comes into the picture cool right? yeah yeah cool yeah, kid cool. named cool alex burrell yeah and um and um yeah that's and then uh and then yeah like so then you have steve martin and and mary steenberging with their kids and they're worried about about uh one of their kids and does he have developmentals kind of things going on and emotion and they're worried about that and and robarts is kind of your traditional stern american Mm -hmm. father um and you're just given and this, like, just and the other thing about Parenthood, I'm sure you guys, I'm sure you guys will agree. Like, and look, it became a very successful NBC show, so it's not like this content. I hate that word, but it's not like this stuff doesn't. It's expanded and evolved yeah, into, yeah, yeah. Into, into good stuff. But, but market, you know, on TV, right? Which I yeah. think this being a huge hit in '89, where it's literally just 
people having conversations yeah. and like talking about their feelings so, and problems very, and it made a hundred million dollars. You're like, yeah, it's a, it's, God, a, it's like, like a writer's movie and it's an actor's movie. Right? Oh my God. And it's, yeah. Cause it's, cause it's all, all moments like that. And it really is in a good way, like a movie you can't ignore, which is to say like, you know, uh, any of these movies, as much as I love Apollo 13 or whatever, you could like look at your phone for five minutes if you've never seen it and probably not really, you know, if you're, if you're watching the right parts, you're probably not going to miss a whole bunch. Right. Whereas like, this is all just people having conversations and like each one of those feels important and relevant to whatever the next step that you see them at is. Yeah. It's a packed, you know? it's a packed movie. Yeah. It's a, but, it, but, ne- but it never loses the thread. It like yeah. really, well, juggles and, it all nicely. And I think, you know, look, Howard, you know, as you said, Jen, was an actor. His 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 uh brother, Clint Howard's an actor. Their yeah. father, like we mentioned, Rance, was an actor and kind of importantly, like never a star, right? Was no. always like the second guy in Western TV shows, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Right. And um I always think one underrated thing about Ron Howard is he never lets the camera get in the way of his actors. And I always think that's an underrated, you know, it's like, it's a compliment by way of not doing something in some respects. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I think um, it's easy to take that for granted. And I think Parenthood's a great example where you just, for example, probably the best scene in the movie later on in the film, um, which is kind of a spoiler proof film really, but like, Robarts and Martin, you know, father and son are kind of at a baseball field. Yeah. Having a conversation. They've kind of, they kind of fall into having a conversation. They probably should have had 20 years prior, but mm-hmm. like Robarts just isn't that type of guy. And Robarts recalls one of them getting really hurt. One of his kids getting really hurt when they were young. And Robarts says, he's like, I hated you for that, for how it made me feel. Like I was so scared and I couldn't do anything about it. And I will just say, like, I don't think you need to be a parent to know this, but as someone with two young sons, you're, I mean, that is so, that, that's, that is a hard thing to admit, you know, cause you know, I don't want to say you hate your kids, but like the, the idea of the idea of the vulnerability that comes with there now being something in your life that you care about more than anything else and you didn't mm-hmm. understand that you could even feel that way and it's it's kind of like a it's a you're like what i don't even get this and then you have situations where you're like you feel like i don't how am i going to protect this thing like this is insane it's very relatable and i think like robarts is the perfect guy for those types of scenes and you brought up earlier all the president's men it's similar you know totally a different movie different performance but it's similar of like the overseer yeah like yeah. crucial info by this mm-hmm. like no bullshit guy well he just and you yeah, almost he, believe it more because it comes from him you know what i mean absolutely you know? like mm-hmm. the, when yeah. jay when jason robarts talks you listen you know right. what I mean? like, yeah i believe yeah it. yeah, yeah Crim- I get crimson it. tide yeah. does that to great effect at the right end, at the end there like, pops up <laughs> like, there's and even the paper has a little bit of robarts which is i think a fun oh little, god that scene like a, in the bathroom like a, is so tough that's a fun little uh what i forgot of course robarts is the yeah he's like he's like he's almost He's, he's basically same, yeah. he's almost like a Brad. He's playing kind of yeah. like a Bradley character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. very, it's very similar. But like, no, in the, in Parenthood, he's so great, and like it, 
One of the things I find fascinating about watching this movie now, I I do not have kids, but I am many years older than the last time I watched this movie, right? And it's a testament to the movie because it still works like magic. Like I still laugh at the stuff I laughed at when I saw it as as a kid. And there are other things that, like, I find myself viewing characters completely differently, right? Like, mm-hmm. like half the stuff with, like, obviously, like, Diane Weiss, for instance, did not resonate with me. And yet watching her this time, I'm yeah. just, like, watching her fucking slam fastballs out of the park the entire movie. It's, like, a great, her, her performance is so crazy. But I, what I love about the way all, just to bring it back to Ron Howard, like, all of the performances are directed. And this doesn't happen a lot i think with movies about like ensemble movies about family is like sometimes they nail like the the physical casting of their actors or whatever but you don't always necessarily nail like the personalities and how those could have been formed or whatever but like Mm -hmm. when you look at and you don't see a lot of like the mother character in this you see a little bit of her but you see more of robards and when you look at robards and you look at weast and you look at c martin you look at tom hulse and you look at who's the actress who plays the other sister who plays Hel- uh, not Helen. Uh, 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 Harley Susan. Jane Kozak. Yeah, yes. Susan. Yeah, yeah. And you look at Harley Jane Kozak as well. Like the neuroses they all have feels like mm-hmm. it stemmed from the same place. It's like a crazy. I was like, I was kind of in awe watching it. Like I just sort of was like, oh yeah, you all were like fucked up by each other and this guy in the same way and not in some super dark way or anything, but in the way that families fuck each other up, you know, like, I don't know, like the way that like, well, that's the secret weapon too. It's not the myth of fingerprints or some shit or like, or, you know, you know, festin, you know, celebration, (laughs) right. Or something, you know, where it's like this deep, dark thing that happened. It's it's literally just like, a people family for me it's a celebration of the mundane but in a way that yeah. like that you know, one person's that, a worry war yeah. one person gambles too much and like you know it's just like yeah that's just yeah. the family <laughs> exactly <laughs> right, right. they fuck you up your mom and dad even, yeah even yeah. though they you can't do anything about it you know. yes exactly which i'm trying and to come to terms with right now you're like oh, i guess that's like steve martin's whole deal in this yeah movie. yeah, like, yeah. Uh, there's well, nothing you can do yeah. yeah you know what's funny my first memory of the academy awards has to do with parenthood it was actually like we had a tiny tv in our kitchen and i remember watching like the oscars in the sure. kitchen and it was uh, Best Supporting Actress. And the clip they showed for Diane Weist was when she gets the uh, pictures back and Martha Plimpton oh, sure. walks. And she's horrified because she's taken sexy pictures with her boyfriend, Keanu Reeves. Oh, and right. mom got her pictures and vice versa. And so, you know, ooh, one for the wallet or, you know, it's, it's so, she's so killing great. it. She's so fabulous. And oh, um, but yeah, I remember because I had actually seen this movie in the the theater at the time so when i was a kid i was like wow i watched that so that was my first it's like, now they're showing it on the oscars yeah. i saw it yeah yes but uh martha plimpton is also amazing in this movie yeah. i mean she's going toe to toe this was 1989 so it's the same year as running on empty Sydney oh Jackson my God. Movie, which we just talked about um a few months ago we had on amy robinson and griffin dunn talking about that alchemy yeah great episode she worked that with was yeah river phoenix and then here she's working with uh river's brother and i thought it was another linchpin because right after this of course keanu made my own private, my own Idaho private Idaho. yeah yeah i rewatch the last scene of running on empty 
I oh think, my god i think every month <laughs> that destroys and I, me and oh. i weep like yes. like 1 a.m at the mecca house how do you re-watch that well because it's just oh. it's very therapeutic i just watch yeah. it's like He's like, take the bike out of the truck. You're oh, like, oh god. my god, I mean, you got judders. He's like, and the fire get on it. He's like, oh. oh, fire and rain playing, and they're singing it. Oh my god, yes. it's the best. And all I weep. It's like it would be so embarrassing if it wasn't so important to me. Like I just, Judd, Judd Hirsch has Jason Robards energy. That same kind of like, sure. Oh, when Judd yeah. Hirsch talks, you listen. He's got like, a counter counterculture. Yes, uh, Robards. Yeah. <laughs> right. You would believe he did. Robards, yeah. Robards, but he campaigned for Nader. Yeah. Way back, way back in the Nader's Raiders <laughs> days. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but but yeah, no. I mean, that's to bring it back to the Ron the job, right? Like it's it, it could be, you know, they, they there's jobs that are alluded to, and and that's you know essential to the you know Steve Martin is fighting for promotion. There's things in the movie that are like workplace but obviously the the crux of it is the balance and how to kind of reconcile you know which also it's also funny too it's it's still universal now and very relatable but the 80s was like prime for this exact type of conflict right like another movie that was really important to me growing up that my mom loved was baby boom Sure. I love we, that movie. I love it deeply. Movie. Yeah, yeah, Sam Shepard, uh, hot, yes. hot as hot as can ever be. Uh, Harold Ramis also kind of smoking in that. And um, <laughs> when they and have Diane sex Keaton. with the face mask, on exactly. And, <laughs> exactly. and like that was a really. I saw that way too young, I suppose. But I love that movie. Um, Diane Keaton, kind of in her moment, and then, but then of course, right before that, right, uh, Mr. Mom, right. It's like th- those are kind of yeah. two movies. Those are like two movies of a piece. And you had a lot of movies like that of just kind of like, you know, the, you know, the domestic the, three men well, and the a cutthroat baby. The yeah. 80s, right. Yeah. Three men and babies, very much like that, where it's like cutthroat 80s, you know, uh, greed is good. Mm-hmm. How do we reconcile? Right. Like, right. and I think um, parenthood stands the test of time because yeah. it kind of it pushes through any sort of superficial, you know, uh, decade yeah kitsch stuff but but right. still you can watch it you can watch it in both contexts it's very good and like martin is you know and this is the other thing like steve martin's amazing you know kind of mm-hmm. to this day doesn't almost get the credit for the actor he is and once again you need a guy like ron howard i do think mm-hmm. to see that let it happen you know kind of maybe tell i don't know if this happened but you know tell steve martin you know you feel free to do less you don't need to yeah right? yeah yeah. It doesn't need to be father of the bride. You almost you throw him, you throw him the cowboy Dan scene as like a nugget, right? Like sure. that's um, what I was thinking. That's the most where you're like, let him let him it. go, let him go the jerk yeah. a little bit here or whatever, right? The jerk, like, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think Ron Howard has always been because another thing we're not really going to talk about, but the parent has a little bit of this. Ron Howard is a really like he's very funny. Right, like mm-hmm. narrated Arrested Development, right? Helped, yeah. It, you know, got that show made, of course, with Brian Grazer, and then, um, you know, Night Shift, and look, Grand Theft Auto, we mentioned briefly, and uh, and Splash, mm-hmm. and, and to a lesser degree, Cocoon, are all funny movies, right? I mean, that those are the movies that made him, you know, uh, uh you know, kind of minted him in the industry, and they're I comedies. Mean, this, and we, uh, yeah, Parenthood is is funny, so funny. and that's what I'm yeah. saying. Parenthood is funny, yeah. so it's like. <clears throat> 
after this, you get into more of like, he's, you know, we'll talk about the movies and look, the paper we're going to get to paper's funny too, but like Great. he gets yeah. more into this, like, you know, erstwhile prestige. I think, you know, it's the- he'll give you an ed TV or something, but it's like, he's, he, you know, you get, you're getting to a beautiful mind. Right. I always think yeah. once you get to that level, it's probably hard to come down from it. You yeah. know, I mean, you're, you're at this certain level or whatever, but, um, underrated, comic director for sure and i think Mm -hmm. that's why i guess we could use this as a segue but i think that's why the the paper stands out so well too not just in the competency porn you know of it all but like it is in that sweet spot of just like serious minded in so far as the people being good at their jobs thing but like like you said dan like very funny and it keeps it breezy and snappy and it's not also like deadly serious about it, which is like the way workplaces are, you know what I mean? Like the way, especially like fast moving, high stress workplaces are yeah. where like, you I mean, even now, a joke. Yeah. Right. Know? Even, yeah. even if you're not, you know, even if you're working remotely, you're telling me there's a workplace on the planet that doesn't have like four Slack channels where people are just like talking shit, like, you know, and just, you know, throwing it back and forth or whatever, like that, that's the stuff specifically with the paper that I love the most is that like, they're sitting around and yeah, they're talking about the news and stuff. And they're talking about all this like really serious or horrible stuff that you, well, yeah, the crime, you know, the, the alleged crime at the center Mm -hmm. is very racially motivated, sad, you know, tense, you know, but, but but I feel like the, the sort of, it's not that the, and the movie knows that narratively and dramatically. Right. But like what I love is that it appreciates the mundane nature of how that would feel if that was just your everyday. Well, like can we say talk about it like it was a Tuesday? Like, well, Connor, can we say you used to live in New York? I, I lived in New York for a long time. It does. We talk about this all the time. And Jen, Jen you can kind of you can you can you can, you can uh, <laughs> take over and, and do the plot up to this. But it does the thing I love <laughs> that 80s and early 90s New York movies do, which is they do the thing of like. And he's in Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn's right. so right. far right. away. We and not, not only but like Williamsburg, and Williamsburg like, specifically, they like, like you so think it was you'd think it was Escape from New York. Like when it's like showed, Cocktail yeah. does that where he's like, yeah. he lives in Queens. <laughs> How is he ever gonna get to Manhattan? It's like he's it's like it becomes like it becomes like the movie Brooklyn, right? It gets on a boat to go across the ocean <laughs> to the Isle of Manhattan. You're like, right. it's so it's a it's a river, it's a little river. Yeah, it's right it's there. A, it's, the, it's the NQR. It's like you know, it's like and I just love in those movies. Like Ghost is even like that. Um, and it's all in Manhattan. Like Ghost is they live, you know, in the Lower East Side. Back when mm-hmm. that that was like an artist's, you know, like dangerous, you know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, unconverted loft. And like even in Ghost, which was like 1990, it's like, where do you live? You live all the way down there. It's like it's like a 30 minute walk from 41st <laughs> Street. It's like you could go there right now. You don't even have to pay for a taxi. Like, I just love that. in the old New York movies it makes me laugh so hard. It's like, you know, her getting down to Williamsburg to get the photo of the booking is like half of the movie it's like yeah. it's so <laughs> funny i love it that's like when i had on sheila o'malley and we were talking about after hours she's like why didn't he just walk home <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's it. i haven't yeah. even thought about after hours which i guess after hours is like phantasmagorical but like yeah. still you're right like 
Fancy, yeah. It's, after, it's hours, just, after, after hours is like making the joke on yeah, that. Concept. Right, yeah, right. But it's yeah, like, you're yeah. right. Like, yeah. you're Griffin Dunn. It's like, just walk your There, there are sidewalks. Just walk home. Just walk yeah. home. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like, I can tell you, like, li- I lived there for a decade and there were so, I mean, Connor knows this, so many nights, days where you're just like, fuck it. Like, put my headphones on. I'm going to just yeah. walk 45 minutes to wherever I got to go because that would be easier than dealing with whatever right, right or i right. can't afford the cab or i don't whatever you know so it's just i love that though it's so endearing to me like i I truly deeply and the paper might be the best version of it where it's like you know uh, you know what it is uh, they didn't have any form of google maps i don't so know I, though no no no. i think that's what it is and i'm I not guess. saying using google maps to get places i'm just saying you just to show like, you it won't take to tell you like oh right, it's only right, right. it'll only mile like, and a half so it was all yeah, it was yeah, all yeah. in their heads it's all in their heads. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, that's not a bad point. I guess that's true. But it's still, it's great. <laughs> that's it's great. Funny. Well, the paper is about 24 hours in the life of a newspaper editor, his personal and his professional life intersecting. You have Michael Keaton, who is the phenomenal. God. I am a huge Keaton fan. He's my favorite, uh, Bruce Wayne by far. And his energy is off the charts. He kind of has, um, for people who only know like Michael Keaton, like newer stuff or whatever, if you look at his early 80s stuff, it's sort of what, you know, uh, you might think of with John Cusack in the 90s, like that kind of an energy and an inertia. And so this kind of feels like a continuation of Night Shift and Gung Ho. And to me, that is like the strongest part of it is Michael Keaton by far. And those are both Ron Howard movies, we should say. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Those are all Ron Howard films. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And this ensemble is phenomenal. Again, just like with uh, Parenthood, you have a song performed by, written and performed by Randy Newman. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk for right. I forgot Oscar. the Parenthood Love song, of course. Love to see you smile was the one from Parenthood. Make up your mind is the one from the paper. Hey, man, you have very US. literal, Randy. Very yes. literal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you have Glenn Close, Marissa Tomei, Randy Quaid, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall, who is kind of one of those actors who sort of epitomizes the whole do your job thing. Yelling, yes, do yeah, your job yeah. is like my new favorite thing. Well, Duvall also is one of those guys who's, I was laughing rewatching the paper. He's been doing the like last performance role for 30 yes. years right because exactly. in the paper it's like he's you know he's yeah. not a spoiler because it's like very early on he's like he's dying right yeah, yeah. so the whole yeah. role is like let me impart wisdom my son yeah. before i die and i'll also make 30 more years worth of films after this you're like all right, all right well, he's Bobby. also like he's he's almost like a uh, an amalgam of like the jason robards parenthood character and Ed Harris from Apollo 13. Like he fills that bit. role. Of sure. Just, sure. Of just like the the do your job, the do your job scene where he yells yeah. at Michael yeah. Keaton, which is incredible and great. Um everybody's great in this movie. It yes. is it reminded me a little bit of when <laughs> I forget what he's asking about, but in Apollo 13, when Ed Harris 
asks about something and the guy's like, okay, well, I could get an estimate. And Ed Harris like kicks a trash can and he's like, God damn it. I don't want another estimate. Right. Like, yeah. and like, it's such a very specific boss thing, like, but like hardworking boss thing that like. <laughs> well, I've and, said this, I've said this and Jen, please. Uh, sorry to interrupt here, but I, no, no, I said, I've said this. I know I've, t- I know I've said this in some episode we did, or I don't know, maybe a Blake Howard episode. I, I could certainly make the argument. And uh, yeah, like I think the maybe the best moment of acting I've ever seen, and Connor, I feel like you know what I'm going to say. Bring it back to Paul Thirteen, is when, uh, is when Ed Harris sits down. Oh, it's at the, the end of Paul Thirteen. Yeah, it's like the when greatest. when they land, right, and they yeah. they lived, and the whole movie Ed Harris is he's Mission Control, right, and he he finally sits, mm-hmm. and he just like lets out. A release like a side, like a that's, uh, that's the Ron release. Howard. That's the Ron Howard. That is the best piece of down. acting. That's yeah. It's yeah. Uh, you feel the whole movie expel from his like yeah shoulders. But anyway, yeah. But I always get emotional thinking about Apollo thirteen. Not to like <laughs> we weren't going to talk about it now. <laughs> no, yeah. hey, it's another. It's but, it's competent. Uh, Christopher no. Reeve. Do you guys remember that interview in the nineties? Yes. He said that's the movie that made him decide to live. Was seeing the line you know failure is not an option right yeah. because he had just had oh, because that horror that, i did not know that story that oh accident was was it the year before yes. 94 or yeah. something like that right when the I horrible see that horse scene horse. i just immediately think of christopher reeve yeah oh, oh my god chris it's brutal yeah yes. Uh, anyway, underrated actor oh, underrated underrated actor, actor underrated and actor. underrated filmmaker who can you know just people Putting in the effort and trying. I know, inspire. About the day, yeah, that is Definitely. Ron Howard. Yeah, and yeah. that's what we see in the paper. You see people getting up at the beginning of the movie. You have Michael Keaton, his wife, who he works with at the paper, Marissa Tomei, is heavily pregnant. I think she's due in like two weeks. Right. Of course, you yeah. know, yeah. by the Any end minute. of this day, yeah. like she is going this to get going baby. to labor. Yeah. Like this is <laughs> yeah. happening. Yeah. And. Um, She's very excited because he works in this kind of it's like the sun essentially or the new it's York basically Post. the post. Yeah. yeah he like post. works for yeah, they call Lots it the of sun. Exclamation yeah. points, yeah. that kind of thing. Which yeah. is I wanna know not to get too needy. Or the new or the daily new maybe more of the well, daily news. No, 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 news. but hang on, this is the thing actually. They this okay. is what I was gonna say. They call out the New York Daily News. Oh, they do. And it's the only New York paper. He mentions like Newsweek or something. Because what is the, the Times is the Sentinel, is the, right? Exactly. The Times yeah. is the Sentinel the and the Post is the Sun, right? And he but, works for the but Sun. But randomly they do, what, like yeah. the Daily News is the Daily News. So I they, daily know, news, like, they don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm wondering what that conversation was. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care. But yeah, they're yeah. basically so the, the post, post. So the post, like they the put, post. Yeah, they put lurid photos on there. Yeah, they're a rag. Like, they're like a rag, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, throughout the course of a day, these two um, black teens have been arrested for. Um, they basically came upon a crime scene and then they've been brought in like they were the killers and, you know, they have to get to the bottom of the story or, you know, are they going to essentially convict in the court of public opinion these two kids who didn't do it 
And so all of these things kind of come to a head and intersect in uh, 24 crazy hours. It's very satirical. I think it goes a little over the top with our one-dimensional characters. The women are a little bit shrewish, um, especially oh, Glenn, Glenn yeah, Glenn Close, Close. Yeah. like my goodness. And, <laughs> um, you know, by the end, there's like, they're knocked down Drago. You can't really take the thing literally. It's a little crazy. Even Marissa sure. Tomei is being kind of a nag through the movie. And you're like, this is a woman who won an Oscar. Like, come on, you guys. But, <laughs> I know. So, Her character so is the is hardest. driving you yeah. uh, a little yeah, yeah. nuts that way. But overall, yeah. it's super entertaining. I love Michael Keaton and everybody in this thing is great. Yeah. Well, I, I think I said, I can't, I feel like I said this when Corey came on for Keaton, Connor, mm. uh, Corey Everett, our, our good friend. Uh, yeah. I think this is probably my favorite Keaton performance. Like I would, I would agree. It's definitely, I, you know, he's, he's had a right. lot of great performance. So you see, you know, any name seven, right. Whatever. Like yeah, yeah. clean and sober. We talked about on the episode. He's amazing in that. Right. And obviously mm-hmm. Batman, of course, like, I mean, look, Batman has, you know, you know, uh, you know, when they're eating dinner and it's the mile long and he's like, he's like, <laughs> you know, I don't think I've ever been in this room. You know, like there's yes. an amazing scene. Um, but I just think when you talk about the thing that Keaton does, he's doing at like an A plus grade. Yeah. In yeah. this movie, no, it's, like it's, you know, everything he does just, well is perfectly deployed here. The whole interview with Spalding Gray at the Sentinel, because the one thing, Jenny, uh, yet another thing in the movie is he has an opportunity to take a job as yes, an editor for was, the Sentinel, which is ostensibly the New York Times. New York Times, and he can't help himself in this interview. And so, for Spalding Gray, for those who don't know, is kind of this great, oh my God. Um, yeah. What would you call him? Like an not an orator, but ostensibly he was like an essayist. Like he would yeah. he would write and perform one man shows, uh, swimming, mm-hmm. swimming uh, to Cambodia, Cambodia yeah. which is an yeah. amazing one person documentary directed by Jonathan Demi, and he obviously did, um, yeah, Grey's Anatomy, which is the um, yeah, the other one Soderberg that, that Soderbergh did, did which mm-hmm. is great too, and um, really an incredible writer. And he had a little bit of an acting career during this time, and he's like he's the whatever the hiring manager the managing editor of the sentinel and that whole that whole scene where where keen's is like keen's like do you know you got you got something you got you got something he's yeah. like you gotta leave you gotta leave yeah. like, come on come on just don't just yeah. two news for men just come on, come on. and you just like <laughs> it's and spalding gray's energy is like totally antithetical he's just like yeah. very like posh like cannot be bothered like it's such yeah. mm-hmm. a perfect just and then like and look randy quaid controversial figure now amazing he's like the opinion oh, he columnist is great when he's who so, is going he's so after all of the all of the yeah. which is also such a new york the other thing about this movie i think this must be a, the Stephen because david and Stephen kep we mentioned they wrote it together it's, this must be a Stephen kep thing it's such a good new york movie where it's like the opinion columnist is going after all of the local new york like Politician. councilmen yeah, yeah, and like yeah, yeah. and like politicians and like they're all giving like his car keeps getting tickets because they know it's his car and they hate him so much and like jason alexander comes in at the end to like to a great like two scene that that's probably the worst part of the movie actually that whole part is so stupid the the two the two bits back to back like the fight in the printing press room yeah that kind of and and though i will say glenn close and this this is a credit to close I think if you're going to say that scene works, which I do think it does, though it's ridiculous, Close is so good in that scene when she puts her, like, mitts up. Yeah. 
like to fight Keaton. It is. I mean, it, to your point, uh, he uh, has Jen, no vanity. I mean, that is what we love about that. I do jealous. love. Yeah, yeah. She's like, she's like, let's freaking go. That, that's yeah. I weirdly though. I feel like and that's it does become a different weird. movie, but I think it's kind of worth it. That's yeah, where the movie yeah. I think starts to weirdly. Cause that's what starts to lean into her like quote unquote redemption arc. Yeah, but I but I also feel like it's weirdly where the movie starts to sell her out a little bit because I do think she's doing, she is shrewish and it's definitely in a way that you're like you could have tried a little harder. Like yeah, yeah. Oh, sure, but this is. I mean, but nobody, I do yeah, think you, you, I do think you can feel her really effectively fighting as much against it as possible. Where like, oh yeah, she doesn't say it's not. And I love and I love Sigourney and Working Girl, right? But she's not as like cold or mean as Sigourney in Working Girl, right? Like it still feels like she's very like matter of fact about all her opinions and like mm-hmm. particularly well, the pro- you don't have Melanie Griffith in this movie, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. And That's I the think, problem, and, right? Yeah, and I but I but I think but I what I what I love about Glenn in this movie is she she like very I think threads that needle of like she knows she needs to be the antagonist. But does that really interesting tightrope walk of like, oh, but like, she's not not wrong because like, Mike, Michael Keaton's like, he's also very, they're like, they're like two diametrically opposed people who are mm-hmm. both good at their jobs for completely different reasons. Right. And like, and it depends on whether or not you're kind of living by like the letter of the law or the spirit of it. Right. And like, that's obviously why they quite literally come to blows. Right. Which like, is 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 the whole thing but like even just the and the way they kind of the sort of triangle they form with uh with Duvall and in the scene where he says to I think it's the do your job moment actually where he's like don't just like say something because it's the opposite of what she wants like actually like formulate mean it prove it yeah yeah, Yeah. formulate the thing that you want and do your job and like it's so like I've never worked at a newspaper. What well, I, I just love—I have to say, not to get New Yorker, but I l- love that this is the Post. Not to yeah, be, right, right, right. Like, like, like the Post wishes it had even. Well, and I, those I, I ethics, have to wonder. Are, I, I like, have to wonder. <laughs> you know, I clearly, obviously, didn't read the Post in '94, right, or whatever. But like, right, it's one of it's one of those things where I have to wonder if it was a little bit more of like a. New York Mets of news. I mean, I'm just being, I'm mostly day. just like, being, I'm mostly just being like, you know, a, I've loved the New York Times like my whole life. So I'm, I'm right. mostly just being a, a stinker for, it's, it's for, Spalding, for, for it's fun, Spalding but, Gray in this movie feels like a guy who's loved the New York Times his whole <laughs> life too. Like it's that. Kind of <laughs> but uh, um, the New York Times famously has never had any issues at all. No, no, none whatsoever. <laughs> Why would you say that? Um, oh God. But oh, no, I, yeah, I think, I I love also the way that this movie kind of enjoys its subgenre a little bit and just in terms of like the newspaper movie, right? Like you get a little bit of the, I, I don't know if it's stunt casting because he was in Parenthood, but like we mentioned before, like you get James yeah. Robards, yeah, as, Robards the, yeah. as the head honcho. So that obviously calls back all the president's men. How can it not, right? Yeah. And then even like, even Tomei and Keaton, it feels like literally the caps the brothers kept were like oh we're gonna do his girl friday but like two months later right like like they stayed together and what does that relationship turn into right where yeah. they're both because the thing about to and it i think it is the most 
interesting part of the character when they don't sideline her with being like a crazy pregnant woman. But I do love like the struggle there of like her being just as crazy and hungry for her job as Michael Keaton is. Right. Mm-hmm. And like the idea, like the, the just insanity she feels cooped up being like removed from it. because She like loves the chaos of it. Right. And that mm-hmm. to me, like is what signaled like the, the front page of it all or whatever. And then it's like also, I think just a little bit, it's got the same kind of energy too as deadline USA, which is like another huge, right? Like staple of like newspaper. Great, early bogey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great um, so I don't know. I just let, I think this movie does a really good job of like celebrating. Well, Jen, you've, you've, you've been a writer for a long time. I mean, what do you think? Do you think, does it capture the manic energy of writing in general or what do you think i think so yeah and you were talking about how much you love and have great affection for newspapers and i yeah. agree uh actually watching this movie brought back memory of my first job ever was i was eight years old and i go. was a uh paper girl my oh, older you brother were? Was, oh i never did that yeah oh, cool. my, pa- my older you brother had a paper was a paper out yeah he actually had like the main paper out and then i thought well i can do that too but oh that's three awesome years older than me so after a few years or a few weeks i should say it yeah. got to be a little too much so i i wound up needing to be like the one who got up super early on sunday morning and like rolled the big heavy sure. uh you know, Sunday papers and, you know, but I would get out there in the snow and help, you know, in Minnesota and like bring the newspaper around. And so we actually, that was my first job. So I do have a lot of affection. Yeah. I have, I love it. for that. I know. Well, that's the thing. I have such fun memories of, you know, I, I grew up uh, in Poughkeepsie, right? So, so I would go in uh, when I was a young kid, I would go into New York for whatever reason, whatever, you know, Broadway Mm -hmm. show, blah, blah, blah. And I have such vivid memories of back in the day, there were literally bins for the newspapers when people got off the trains. Yes. That would be full to the brim of like New York Times, USA Today's, New York Post, whatever. And that obviously doesn't even remotely, that doesn't exist at all anymore, of course. And um, I, I I look back so fondly to, to that smell, right? Like, I still get the Sunday New York oh my Times, gosh, yeah. um, you know, which I live in Pittsburgh, but and you it's get like it all this over gift my wife got me, and, yeah. which like, like we still get. And it's like literally the highlight of my week, like getting that Sunday Times and like mm-hmm. reading it and like, and um, so, yeah, it just, I mean, look, I'm like I said, I'm a sucker for it. Keaton's perfect in it. I think, you know, um. One of the all-time the guy great. who's like the guy who finally buys the chair and he, yes. I'm sure, and, he and he's a great character actor that guy and he and he gives the receipt to uh to Michael Keaton he's like yeah. reimburse me for this I I just bought the chair I bought it I bought the chair and he's like it's so good one of the all-time great glasses performances in this by Michael Cle- Keaton oh, he's like, chewing the wire he's like chews on him he takes him but when he chooses to take him off yes. and put him on like I only just... can only only rivaled by Craig. Daniel, Daniel Craig, Craig putting, putting you cannot, doing you cannot this. see this listener, but I'm like wearing my glasses doing this off in, of uh, my ear and under my which I do now. Pop comedy and like which when I, actors, yeah. you can tell they really like. Oh my god, yeah, I love which that. I prop. do now, you yeah. know, because of freaking Daniel Craig in that movie. But <laughs> great glasses acting and by by Keaton for sure in uh, yeah. in. Uh, and, yeah, but uh, I should have worn my glasses instead of contacts. I know we could have all been glasses. Thing. I know. Yeah, look at us. Missed opportunity. A bunch of nerds we are. Yeah. So true. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that brings us to 13 Lives, uh, another workplace movie. I'm gonna let 
that would be you, Connor. Then, yeah, about, it's yeah, this one. This one, yeah, it. this one's my fault. Um, not my fault. I yeah. love this movie. Uh, it's a great I, movie. No, I I picked it kind of for the reasons I mentioned before. I just wanted to highlight it because, like, look, people are going to watch Paul 13. They're going to watch Backdraft. They should. If it wasn't going to be this, I will just quickly bring back and spot check Rush, which, like, if people have not seen great Ron Howard competency mm-hmm. porn movie. Really good. Under, well, and, and, under, and, seen, and, underrated movie. And you should say, Con, this is, and it's a shame because it wasn't, because not really anybody saw it. It was kind of a comeback movie for sure. Yeah, totally. For How- Ron Howard. Totally. Right? Like, yeah. Rush, if Rush is like a really solid movie from 10 years ago. Yeah, because he really does that. He, he does In the Heart of the Sea, which I do think has its moments, but is like not. I he think is a big really, flop. Yeah, altogether. You know, yeah. Inferno, movie. nobody sees. Solo is like half his movie doesn't do well. Yeah. Hillbilly Elegy, the less said the better. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. So 13 Lives is really like kind of him back in his element after like yeah. a bunch of. Yeah. And, and like know, I said, uh, it's Dan Brown movies and whatever, you know. I think that even that, like, just that alone, right? Like, rush to this being, you know, if you want to call rush, like, the last time he felt really in his element, does just speak to that, like, this, this is the thing and the kind of this little subgenre we're talking about is the thing he excels at. Like, it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. He's just got such a knack for it. And like I was mentioning before, like, the reason I, have come to love this movie is it feels more mature than the other movies in this category. And so not that those movies are juvenile or anything like that. It's just, if you can feel a more mature filmmaker, you know, kind of behind it a little bit. And I think part of that comes with a little bit of like a solemn quality because he's dealing with a true story. Right. Which I think almost all of I mean, I guess other than Parenthood in the paper, right? But I think a lot of the other ones in this little Ron Howard subgenre are mostly based on true stories, right? Outside of like Backdraft, mm-hmm. right? Like I Cinderella, made Apollo. I mean, Gung, Gung yeah. Ho, Gung Ho definitely qualifies. You know, yeah. uh, right? Or so like kind not. of rip, inspired by headlines, like rip from the headlines. Rip, rip from yeah. the headlines. Yeah. And so I think uh, there's. There's a serious mindedness to that for sure. And so this movie certainly isn't as, you know, jaunty as the paper or even. No, in the epic script too, I would say. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Like it's, it's a different kind of beast. Um, We should also spot check, not around Howard movie, but alongside 13 lives is the really great documentary, the rescue. Yeah. um, Good movie. Which, which. I think is maybe patient zero for why this movie maybe got kind of like sidelined a little bit. Cause the rescue is a really great documentary about the exact same subject. Mm-hmm. So I think that maybe went through a couple of people's minds, but basically it's from 2022 and it's based on the, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but I apologize. Oh, it's based on the Tom Lang cave rescue um, which was in 24, was that 24? I'll spot, I'll spot check you here. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. 18, sorry. 2018. Yeah. 2018. And, um, and basically 12 boys who were part of a Thai like youth soccer team and their coach after, uh, after practice one day, go to this cave system that's in Northern Thailand and it's also right at the start of monsoon season. So basically some heavy weather starts to come in and they get trapped in the cave because it floods, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they walk in and then they're like trapped. Yeah, yeah. By, by and it rings. is this yeah. it is this sort of labyrinthine kind of cave, like it's system this cave of system. caves. Yeah. And I mentioned the diagram thing before. I think this movie makes very nice use of that. It constantly kind of brings up this sort of graphic of the cave system to just let you know where it's at and whatever. Right, how far. Yeah, right. exactly. And it's it's definitely, I mean, it adds to it because you're just suddenly like, oh, wow. Like, And they constantly will update you on the passage of time, which is like another insane thing, you know? Like, yeah. you're like, okay, I'm going to go into the cave and check this thing out. And then it's like seven and a half hours later. And you're like, oh, yeah. wow. All right. But basically... Um, the local government steps in the Thai Navy steel step, step in to try and sort of all figure this out. And be, you know, it's a, we talked about the inspirational quality of some of these movies. I think this is certainly one of these things. This, this movie is, is angling for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it's a global thing. And even in its local sense, there are different facets of the community that oh, like yeah. band together to make this happen. You have an engineer character who comes from Bangkok to work with the locals on like plugging up sinkholes on the mountain so they can divert the water that's flowing into the caves. And you have, uh, like I said, the Navy SEALs who are trying to work through making this all happen, having the pumps, you know, dredge everything out so they can go in. And meanwhile, there has been a list of divers, of volunteer divers that's been assembled that get sort of contacted to do this. And on that list are Vigo Mortensen and Colin Farrell who play Richard Stanton and uh, John Valanthan, respectively. And basically, they kind of get brought in first to sort of deal with this. And they very quickly kind of illustrate, like, the sort of real heavy beast that this thing is. They, I think the movie well, does the a really specialty great... nature of the rest. Exa- exactly, exactly. And I think the movie does a really great job of, like, sort of explaining to you, like, this is not open sea diving it's like totally different you're like basically rock climbing and swimming at the same time you know like uh, just all these sort of things in terms of how like brutally physical uh underwater cave diving is specifically and so yeah um so essentially and i feel like you can't i mean this is a real thing that happens so it's not well yeah the kids got the kids got rescued yeah yeah they get they get rescued but the I to how? me the the real yeah, ma- how, right. yeah the real magic of the movie is like the insanity of the plan right mm-hmm. because essentially they make their way in and Vigo Mortensen is kind of the one who the whole time is here to do the job but he is like never ever at any point convinced in any capacity that it is going to be successful like no. he still does it and he's not like he does it with this kind of like He's not glib about it. Like he's very serious minded about the job, but he certainly is a great performance. Yeah, it really it is. Really it's like is. a really layered. He's brave to play the character like so unlikable, but he's, like, uh, but, yeah, he's but like, you root for him, obviously, you know? Exactly. Yeah, he's matter he's, of fact. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He, I mean, if we were to make a comp, he's almost like the Glenn Close of this movie, kind of, right? Where it's like, there's but a nature. More realized, right? Like, I think yeah, you can speak yeah. to the maturity oh, yeah. maybe of. Of Howard as a filmmaker, yeah. uh, which you were kind of saying before, Connor, and as much as like these are these are archetypal characters, and it's a rescue plot, but there's complexity to all of them, and like even to the plot itself, which you know you could also credit 
to the real life events where you have right, these kind of these ebbs <laughs> and flows, not unlike the cave itself, right? Like in the real, in the real politics of the rescue, you have this, yeah. like the optics, the secrecy, and, the and ultimate what I love decision of that, how to base essentially drug the yeah. kids to get them out. Like all these yeah. things that they have to go through, I, I, I you love know, basically committing that, a crime, right. To rescue these kids. Right. And I love the way, all you know the way the movie lays out those breadcrumbs so you you understand all that like even with the character of the governor you like immediately are made aware like oh he was supposed to get sacked like 10 days from when this happens right but they keep him on basically because they think it's going to go badly too right he's a lame duck he's yeah, like a perfect yeah. patsy he's for a scapegoat it, right? yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and mm-hmm. and so the you know colin farrell and Viggo mortensen make their way in they find the kids but then it is this funny thing I think the movie does a great job of you almost don't even realize like they find the kids and you're like, Oh my God. Wow. Cool. They found the kids. But then it's like 20 minutes. It's in. like worse. And then you're like, they like, just been dead. Yeah. Like, Cause now we got to get them and out. And that's sort of, that's sort of Viggo Mortensen's point. Cause he's yeah. kind yeah. of disappointed. And, and Colin Farrell's like, well, they're alive. And Viggo Mortensen's like, yeah, I like, I thought they were going to be dead. Cause now how do we get them out? Right. right. Like, right. And there's that beautiful you get your Duace X Edgerton comes in. Yeah. And there's that beautiful uh, moment where they like Colin Farrell shoots all the GoPro footage when they find the kids just to show that they're all alive or whatever. And Viggo Mortensen being the matter of fact, smart one is like, be careful who sees that because like, we might not want people to know immediately that everybody's alive because we don't know if we can get them all out yet. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it's this very like interesting prickly thing. And to your point, Dan, Basically, Joel Edgerton comes in as uh, Richard Harris, who they, they call Harry, and they bring him in. A perfor- also, an amazing performance, I think. By Very Joel much. They, they, Colin Farrell and Vigo bring him in under the sort of pretense of like, yeah, we just need an extra hand. We need another volunteer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what they really bring him, what they really bring him for is he's an anesthesiologist, right? And so they, he basically needs to make these like, ketamine cocktails to give yep. the kids to like put them a little bit under but not too under because if they go too under and again it's the whole movie at this point is all process where Edgerton is kind of breaking it down and yeah. that's on top of I think some of the I said this to you last night Dan when I was watching when we were watching it like I there's a scene before they bring some of the extra divers in uh including Joel Edgerton between Colin Farrell and Viggo Mortensen and they have two conversations, I think, that resonated with me so much on just a procedural level. The first is when Colin Farrell calls Viggo Mortensen near the beginning of the movie, right? And Viggo Mortensen goes, okay, well, if you want Jason so much, why don't you call Jason? And Colin Farrell's like, no, I'm calling you because I want you. Like, don't be yeah, upset, so right? Which, like, I, you know, so maybe you should names, pack. I love that. But as a, right, but yeah. as a producer, so I've good. had a thousand conversations with like grumpy freelancers like that, right? Like, yep. it, so it's something so specific. And like, and then later, you know, they realize the kids are alive. They need to figure out what to do. Vigo Mortensen has this crazy idea. And they're, but they're sitting down at a table and it's so simple where they're just like, Oh, okay, well, what about this guy? Well, this guy's like this, and he might be, he's not really great, but he's nice and good. Like, they do this weird, very mundane procedural kind of walking through it of, like, who to hire. Yeah, who are like, the guys? Who are the guys we want to It's such right. a specific who gives a shit scene, but I love it so much because it's so, I don't know, that 
and I guess this again is what I mean by like a mature filmmaker is like there's no um there's no James Horner score. I mean, James Horner's dead, obviously, but like, there's no equivalent of a James Horner score that's or like Hans Zimmer. That's yes, getting exactly. Jerry that's, Goldsmith. Yeah, that's running whatever, through yeah. this thing to like tell you what to feel or tie it all mm-hmm. together. It's like just the work, which I think is kind of actually why it is my sneaky favorite of like one of his movies is because it's so bare bones. And it really is just kind of a, he's confident enough as a filmmaker to just put it all out there for you and say, no, just like watch what happens. Cause it, on its own is insane. Like I don't, I don't need to do anything. Right. Um, and to your point before Dan, like I, he doesn't let the camera get in the way of his actors, which I think in this movie is a particularly impressive thing because the camera work is so specific in terms well, of. Well, we should say. Right, so caves and stuff. Right, Sayamba Madikpram, right, who shoots most of Apechikan Warithasa Aristocles. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh his films, right? Um most specifically, you know, Uncle Boonmi, who can recall his past, past lives, you would know. But um <clears throat> um, you know, these are Thai filmmakers, right? Who yeah. um really succeed in capturing this uh world right ostensibly well and the underwater photography in this movie it doesn't look anything like any other ron howard movie right yeah. i think yeah, howard yeah, went out of his way not went out of his way i mean he he made the right decision to engage with you know crew members creatives collaborators who were local to some degree but also like just knew how to capture this landscape these types of uh, elements and um it's so claustrophobic, but it's incredibly clear. Sequences yeah. of the dives are like, oof, right? Very. Yeah. And on a rewatch, too. And Jen, I wonder, because this was a rewatch for you, I imagine, right? Like, mm-hmm. was it? I was like struck by that more than anything. Like, the fr- and I, you know, I was watching it on my laptop. You know, it's not, I'm not watching it. You know, I'm watching it on my, my computer. Like, it, I, the tension this time around caught me way more by surprise and just, um, I don't know. Like, obviously, I knew the story before I saw the movie in the first place, so it wasn't like it wasn't like the surprise was gone. But for whatever reason, on a rewatch, I just was like really stunted by how effective. You know, there's a casualty in the film. You know, which, which sadly, obviously, happened in real life. That whole scene is is very hard to watch. And yeah, I guess what did you? I, how did it all work for you on a rewatch? I mean, what stood out to you, uh, Jen, on that? Yeah, well, you guys were talking about it being kind of the work of a more mature filmmaker. And one thing I was thinking about this time is when I watched Backdraft, uh, it was during the pandemic. I hadn't seen it in a long time. Yeah. I used to watch it with my brother all the time. Um, but I was noticing he almost had like a roar, almost like a dinosaur effect uh, in like Backdraft for the yeah, fire yeah. to make the fire just scarier and um, a little extra, you know, he doesn't have anything. There's a little bit of a deeper echo in right. this, but he is um, okay with using silence and knowing how how strong that is. And you were bringing up the cinematography. And I think part of the reason why it's tense and it's heavy in places, I mean, besides, of course, what we're dealing with is the fact that he is mature enough and respects his audience enough to position the camera far away 
Like we mm. don't need to get up close. Like at the end of the movie, when you find out that Joel Edgerton's character's father has died, oh, it is from yeah. a distance. Yeah. And so you sort of see him and it's kind of a framed within a frame, but it's far enough away. Like they are respecting him. They're not rushing in there right away. Um, also where it is when some of these decisions are made, what, what part of the table are we at? Uh, when we're following people, I was noticing uh, kind of a respectable distance uh, throughout the whole film. Yeah. I think maybe younger filmmakers would want to be more visceral, frenetic, like in your yeah. face. Yeah. Well, that's a really great. I didn't even think about that. That's a great point. And I think um, and another element in that in that vein, which which struck me on a rewatch more than the first time. And I think it's so important and could have easily been cut and it would have been a mistake is, you know, Viggo Mortensen goes back home to his apartment. Yeah. Okay. Colin Farrell I'm goes so back glad you brought this and up. And Colin yeah. Farrell goes back home and sees his son. And it's just like, yeah, it's like the, Ed, just, Her- it's like go, the Ed Harris. You go moment. home. It's, right. Yeah. Like, I love yeah. that. Like, it's like they went, and they did a job and like, yeah. yeah, you know, it's voluntary for the most part. These are divers and they have a specialty, but you know, they have day jobs. Ostensibly. Yeah. Like Viggo yeah. Mortensen was an ex firefighter. Colin Farrell yeah. was like an IT specialist. Yeah. He's like a computer guy. And I yeah. just love that idea. And it's so, I think it's so perfect for this movie or maybe it's not for like your Apollo 13s, but maybe this is maybe why this is better. If we're going to go there is like, Yvigo Mortensen goes home, he puts his shit down. It's like, and tomorrow will be Wednesday, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a hero. Exactly. Yeah, he's a filmmaker a little yeah. bit. Right, sure, sure. And it's, yeah. it's, well, and yeah. I think that's the, look, here's the other part we haven't really dug into, we don't need to, but I think the other part too, just from a critic standpoint or just a movie lover standpoint, is like, if you work in the movies or you even are aware of them, yes. you know, the truth is, I think one of the reasons you love movies about process is because it's very, apropos to making a movie i mean of course uh-huh. because it's like sets are like this i mean yeah. you know a 13 i mean look i mean you're not saving lives i mean lord mm-hmm. knows but but even the dumbest commercials right mm-hmm. the intensity is very high the pressure is on the stress is is intense what have you and then you get to the end even if it's a two-day shoot there's some sort of bond you know if it's a movie mm-hmm. it's an incredible bond but even if it's a movie, even if it's a four month movie, you go home. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. And like, maybe you'll see him at a red carpet. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll make another movie with him. but like, you know, yeah. like Colin Farrell and Viggo Mortensen, you get the sense they know each other. They're like friendly, yeah. but they're, mm-hmm. they could, two years could go by, you know, yeah. they all live in the yeah. same place. And I think that's also really kind of to bring it back to the maturity thing and whatever. It's like that, and maybe, and look, maybe this is why it what it didn't pop the way a backdraft or Paul thirteen did, and that's okay. Uh-huh. Is because it's more complicated, it's more real. It's like, yeah, yeah. you're not getting a. There's also, no rah rah. But he's still, really. but he's the still theatrical right? experience. I think would have helped. Sure, sure. I do think Absolutely. it's a shame. Absolutely. Yeah. That you know it, it got it was like kind a of, very and it, it was that like tough COVID moment. Run. I think one yeah. more year. I think if it's if it comes out this year, 2023. I think you, it would have done. You might gotten more of. A, I think it would have. It probably would have been a little yeah. bit of a hit because it only cost 55 million. Okay. I think it would have so done like, well, and it's a shame because yeah. I think it was just an easy. Easy write down for Amazon, right? Sure. Where it's like, yeah. oh, look, I mean, I, just, I do want to shout call, out though, like the call it, it still has Ron Howardy moments, like it still has the moments oh, yeah. that, that are built to make you go, oh, right? Like <laughs> it's still, it still has, but they're so quiet, they're so small exactly, though. Exactly, yes. and to I your think point. that's 
to kind of tie it like back the to Tom parenthood. Bateman moment. Tom Bateman has his like oh, Captain has his Phillips yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, he has the freak out, but then at the end, they're all celebrating. Oh my yeah. god, it's a heartbreaker. Yeah. And Tom Bateman, who's a really underrated actor, he's like yeah. this really great, pretty young British actor. He's great in the the two uh, the Horror first two movies, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Perot movies, and then like and um and in this movie, he's so lovely. Where they're all celebrating and he's like kind of apologizing because he freaked out and he was so afraid about his kid. And it's, you're like, oh my so, god, you want to like go? You want to like? There uh, are no antagonists in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Everything is very like everything is just really by the book, and it's not dissimilar from an Apollo 13 in that regard, right? Like, there's everyone's just there to do the job or whatever. Um, but even yeah, like there are these like there's a moment where they go and they talk to the local farmers and they're like, hey, look, we have to divert the water from the mountain. For these oh, kids. Yeah, they ruined so many. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to probably ruin your crop. So like we yeah. got to tell you that. Right. And like without skipping a beat, they're like, well, if you're telling us if, if this happens, yeah. the, the kids aren't going to die. Yeah, sure. And the, and the guy's very matter of fact. He's like, well, we don't. They might still die. not going to die. Yeah. He's like, yeah. But without saying it, he kind of is basically like, but they'll like definitely. It'll die. give him a better chance. Yeah. And like, they're definitely going to die if we don't do this. Right. Yeah. And then they just kind of immediately are like, yeah, sure. And you're like, hell yeah. Right. Like, you're just like. Human decency. And even like the shout out. And again, like this is, this is the parenthood Ron Howard coming back. There's like a trust in, in his actors to, to deliver those moments. Right. Like when they get the, when the Navy SEALs get the letters to the kids that their parents wrote, right? And they give them to the coach. Mm-hmm. And shout out to Oh, this that's friend. so Tier, good. Tier, I Tier, love that Sorry if I butchered it in, but it really is like one of the most effective beats in the whole movie. He's reading the letters and he's like, oh my God, I thought they were all going to be mad at so, me so mad at me and they're thanking me for like keeping their for kids keeping alive their kids or whatever. Safe. i know and you're oh just like and, and again like and look no like look apollo 13's got one of the greatest scores in the history of cinema it's great right but like you don't need james howard to like sit behind mm-hmm. you to go like to give you a little something right like you just have that actor delivering that moment and you're just like Oof, yeah like it's really uh, yeah, this movie. I'm like, might watch it again when we're done recording. Like, it's so yeah, it's really it's well amazing. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, we could have done uh, like five more movies. I mean, there's sure. so many films to choose when <laughs> you are talking the time? about. Who has the yeah, time? exactly. I'm not keeping you here all week. My goodness, <laughs> work life balance. Come on, exactly. Yes. Uh, if, so are there any that we didn't mention, or ones you want to just make sure to reiterate? Like, see those. Um, oh, I mean, I'm just looking here. I mean, I mean, definite like backdraft fits into the category. Well, yeah. well, Fro- I think Frost Nixon fits. Oh, sure. Oh, uh, yes. And Absolutely. I think is one of those movies that. Um, it's weird. It got I you could say it got like the curse of too many Oscar nominations or something mm-hmm. where like sure. people like shit on that movie now and I'm kind of like, well no, like, <laughs> I, yeah. I think I that understand movie's... why people do it because it seems innocuous now, but it's a pretty good movie. That I think that movie's biggest problem, if I'm being honest, is is the way they cut the trailer because literally like the moment is like the climax of the trailer and you're kind of like oh well like you know because like in the movie when langella is like i'm saying when the president does it it's not it's illegal not like that's the big like 
take the air out of the room moment, right? And like that's I, I remember like making jokes with friends about the way Langella says that line because of the trailer, like leading up to the movie coming out. But um, but yeah, that a shout out. But to that's Kevin a good one. Kevin Bacon. Yeah, Bacon's in great. In it. Yeah. So um, yeah. I mean, I think you know. I was making jokes about Ed TV before. That's kind of an underrated movie. That's McConaughey. That's, you know, the movie that the Truman Show kind of overshadowed. It's kind of dealing with similar things in different ways. Um, yeah, they probably, didn't, probably there were a couple of those in a row. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, Ed TV probably doesn't really fit what we're talking about. But like, but even like Ransom, which is um, a very film. silly, fun, great yeah. movie. Um, you could argue has a lot of what we're talking it's about. It's got a it. lot of the procedural. A lot of procedure. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's and it's incredibly twisty and like you're getting some, I mean, you're getting, if you want, if you want Sinise times two, you're getting sure. all the Sinise you <laughs> yes. can handle that one. And, um, and look to the point of iconic moments, Ron Howard, uh, Ron Howard, uh, you know, he, he, he has plenty of them though. I mean, who could forget the Give me back my son. Oh, sure. Yeah. Dare I blow my mic out, but you know, give me back my son. <laughs> um, talk about a trailer moment. So there's a lot of good stuff in here. Like we kind of said, he's an under, I mean, it's weird. Cause I don't underrated is weird with Ron Howard. Cause he did win the best director Oscar. Like he's been celebrated in some, he's capacity. a commercially successful director, but I feel, you know, like, but yeah. I think he's, he's the he critical communities. Yeah. He's, he's an easy like target these yeah. days. Yes. yes. Yeah. And, and, and you kind of go to yourself like, it, it's, he's not cool. Look, yes, right. exactly. To tie it yes. back with parenthood and cool, but anyway, he's yeah. not exactly. He's not cool, and he's not cool. He's not. No. He's not that young actor, and also he's no. not cool yeah. uh, in theory. But I think, um, yeah, he makes I, I, cool movies. He makes. Yeah. He can make cool movies, you know. And his yeah. daughter is trying her best too, and she's done some cool stuff as well, you know, which I think is yeah. interesting. And that was actually something Carl Franklin. Funny enough, to bring it back to the yeah. B side, weirdly. He right, what were Connor? What was it? Carl Franklin came on our, pod, our podcast, yeah, and mm-hmm. we were talking about one true thing. Yes, and he yeah. told us that that's the most important movie he's made, his Meryl Streep movie, and how um, he had it was like a therapeutic movie for Ron Howard, yeah, while raising Bryce. Oh, is, is what Carl Franklin told us. If, if you yeah, listen, to that Ron Howard, like. Ron Howard like came to him afterwards and was like, "Hey, that was an important movie like, for me to watch as yeah. a as a father." Yeah. Oh, because it's funny because they're both Corman school graduates, right? So they both made Corman yeah. movies, yeah. Because yeah. Carl Franklin right, in the late eighties made Corman movies, yeah. So that's it's funny, but anyway, really a wealth of um a wealth of options in, yes. in the realm of what we're talking about, yeah. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for doing this. It's always such a pleasure to have a good conversation. I enjoy it so much. So you're going to have to come up with another topic and come on back. Oh uh, yeah, we'll you're going to have out. to, and you're going to have to come on ours. It'll have to be a, I would love a mutual, uh, a mutual. We'll have to figure it out. But yeah, yeah no, thank Jen. Thanks. This is always so great to, to talk with you and and let thank us you. wax poetic about these. These things, right? Who else would talk? Who else would we talk to about Ron Howard? Well, who, yeah, it's just who are we going to talk to about? Channel. Our work Slack channel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Along with Glenn Close. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, yes, absolutely. No, thanks so much, you guys. I hope you have a good night. You too. You too. Thanks, thanks Jen. I also want to thank everyone for listening, especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment film rentals, 
RSS fees, and more for as little as a dollar per month at the Film Intuition Patreon, which is the home base for the show. Other ways you can support the podcast are by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to Watch with Jen wherever you get your podcasts, and also checking out the cool merch store hosted and created by our talented logo designer, Kate Gabrielle. You can find the merchandise store, including shirts, tote bags, stickers, and more by visiting filmintuition.com and clicking on the shop link. The show's theme music is solo acoustic guitar by Jason Shaw and is available in the free music archive. You can also reach me or interact with Watch With Jen anytime on Twitter, either at Film Intuition or our Watch With Jen account as well. Well, until next time, please take care and happy movie watching. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen.